are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Tuesday show for you. We are going to talk about something I didn't bring up yesterday, which was Steph Curry winning the American Century Championship on Sunday with an eagle putt on 18 to just complete the Seth Curry story. Guy's amazing. Also, we're going to talk a little NBA. We're going to talk a little bit about LeBron going into year 21 and matching him up with any other players in NBA history who played 21 seasons and see what they did uh, in their 21st season. Also, more NBA talk with aging NBA players. We've got the running back situation going on in the NFL with Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, both of them. I would not be surprised if neither of them play this year because if they don't, they decide to sit out. It's really the only way they're going to get their money. I don't know. It's basically a pissing match at this point between those guys and their teams. And let's see who's going to win that one. I've got something on Zion Williamson and DeAndre Hopkins going to the Tennessee Titans. And we will get to that momentarily. All right, let's start out with what I forgot to bring up yesterday. I can't believe I forgot about this. So every summer in July... In Lake Tahoe, they host the American Century Championship, which is a golf tournament with the Stableford scoring system that celebrities and athletes play in. And every year, it's basically the same guys that are at the top of the leaderboard. Tony Romo is your defending champion, but you always see the same names. Mark Mulder is always up there. Joe Pavelski is always up there. Marty Fish is always up there. Um, Derek Lowe has done well in the past as well. Vinny Del Negro has won it. I think he won it in 2021. But one guy that plays in it every year and has never won, and you never really see him atop the leaderboard. I don't know what his best finish was, but he ended up winning this past weekend, and that was Steph Curry. I'm sure you saw the viral clip of him getting a hole-in-one on Saturday on the seventh hole where it literally took one bounce, went in the hole, and he immediately took off for the green and sprinted to the green uh, I'm sure you saw it if you watched any highlights this weekend. It was, I think it was the number one highlight on ESPN for the weekend. But yesterday, he went into the final round with a lead, and him and Marty Fish were kind of going back and forth. Curry bogeyed, I believe, three of four holes like right after the turn, and he fell behind. And then going into the final hole, he was down, oh gosh, let's see. I think he was down three. Three points, and you get one point for a par and three points for a birdie and six points for an eagle. And 18 is a par five, and a lot of those guys are reaching in two. So Marty Fish, uh, there's apparently some conspiracy going around that when Marty Fish was teeing off, somebody yelled in his backswing, and he basically shanked it into the woods. So he had to punch out. He was on the green in two, and he was putting for a birdie, which would have given him three points and given him a six-point lead over Steph with Steph's putt upcoming because Steph got on the green in two. It was about 15, 20 feet away. Fish ends up missing his birdie putt, so he gets a par, and he only gets four. So so he is up four on Steph Curry. So if Steph Curry misses his Eagles putt, he only gets three points, and he loses by a point. But in true Steph Curry fashion, the guy drained a 20-footer, wins the tournament, basically was about as happy as winning that tournament as he was any of his four NBA titles, it seemed like. But it was really cool 
to see him win that tournament because, I, I mean, I think once Steph Curry's basketball career is over, he's going to try out. He's going to try and get on the senior tour, champions tour for sure. He plays golf like every day. So when he's not playing basketball. So I it was really cool to see him win. I don't think he'd ever finished top 10 before. And he wins the tournament. It's where you want to accumulate the most points as possible. And he basically averaged 25 points a day. Finished with 75 points. Round one, he had uh, round um, round one, he had 25 points. Round two, he had 27. Round three, he had 23 points. And the same guys were up there at the top of the leaderboard. Fish finished second. Joe Pavelski finished third. Mark Mulder finished fourth. Aaron Rodgers actually finished fifth this year. Tony Romo, defending champion, he only had 51 points. He finished eighth. John Elway was ninth. And Del Curry, Steph's dad, finished 11th with 48. John Smoltz, obviously always a good golfer. He's finished in the top five before. He finished 12th. And then you scroll all the way to the bottom, which is always what I like to look at, is who basically stunk it up out there. And in 92nd place, coming up the rear with a minus 64. Basically, if you get a uh, if you get a double bogey or worse, you just give they just give you a minus two. And so basically pick up your ball at that point. Nobody wants to see you carting an 18 on a hole. But Dylan Dreyer, whoever the hell that is, he had a minus 64 and finished dead last in 92nd place. 91st place? WWE wrestler The Miz, he had minus 56. You know how bad you have to be to get a minus 56 on that course and just over three days? So that's basically averaging, what, a minus 18 a day? You're playing double bogey golf, maybe bogey golf there? I don't know. Uh, The Miz is terrible. If you saw any of his highlights, he's not very good. Let's see, who else? Chase Crawford, the actor, he was in 82nd place. John O'Hurley. Oh, that's uh, what's his face? Peterman from Seinfeld. He sucks. He had a minus 46. Demarcus Ware, former Dallas Cowboy and Denver Bronco. He sucks. He was at a minus 44. Let's see. Mike Golick, Jim McMahon, Miles Teller, not a good golfer. Good actor. He was good in Top Gun Maverick. He had 30 minus 34. Charles Barkley actually finished in 81st place. He had a minus 32. On the first day, he was only minus 8. So that's probably good for him. But... Just looking at some of these names, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's always a fun tournament to watch every year because you want to see most of these athletes, see how good they are at golf. And just a few weeks ago, Steph and Clay played in the match against Patrick Mahomes and and Travis Kelsey. So you knew that Steph was good, but I didn't think he was going to win this thing. And the closer he got, I mean, he just – he hung in there and he hung in there and you basically if he misses that putt on 18 he loses. He loses by one. He finishes in second. But he hits the eagle putt and wins. Where did um Gosh, I'm trying to look at Patrick Mahomes finished at a minus 5. He played way better uh in the match than he did there. Pat McAfee minus 13, Travis Kelsey was a minus 17. Man, both of those guys played way better in Vegas than they did in uh Lake Tahoe apparently. Clay Thompson, I don't think, played in this tournament, but he wasn't really good in Vegas. But congratulations to Steph Curry uh, for winning his first ever uh, Lake Tahoe tournament, the American Century Championship. So speaking of Steph Curry, going into this next NBA season, which kicks back off in, in October, we are coming to a point now where there's going to be a changing of the guard soon in the NBA. And I saw this 
posted and you look at it and some of these guys that have been perennial all-stars have been dominant in the NBA for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. They're getting up there in how many years they've been in the league. So heading into next year, Paul George is going into his 14th season. Steph Curry and James Harden are going into their 15th season. Russell Westbrook is going into his 16th. Kevin Durant is going into his 17th season. CP3 is going into his 19th. And we know LeBron is going into his 21st year. So this is, we're getting closer to these guys basically being out of the league. And you've got your young guys, obviously, that are coming up. The Giannis's, the Embiid's, the Lucas. Those guys are going to be the ones carrying the league for the next few years. But it is amazing to see that every single one of those guys I just mentioned, outside of Paul George, has been in the league 15 years or more. That is crazy. Now, the LeBron one is kind of funny because I saw this posted uh, on Facebook as well, and I took uh, the notes down on this. There's only been six players in NBA history who have played 21 years in the NBA. They are Vince Carter, Dirk Nowitzki, Kevin Garnett, Kevin Willis, Robert Parrish, and Moses Malone. Do you want to know the scoring averages for those guys in year 21? So in their 21st season, Vince Carter averaged the most points out of any of those six at 7.4 points a game. Dirk was right behind him at 7.3. Kevin Garnett averaged 3.2 points a game in 38 games. By the way, Vince Carter played 76 games in his 21st year in the NBA. That's probably why he averaged 7.4 points. He actually played. Dirk only played in 51 games. He averaged 7.3. Kevin Garnett only played in 38 games. He averaged 3.2. Kevin Willis played in five, two and a half points a game. Robert Parrish played in 43. He averaged 3.7. And Moses Malone averaged 2.9 points a game in 17 games. <laughs> Again, I can blow smoke up your ass all day long in regards to LeBron James. His greatness can't be matched. You can debate all day long. Is Michael better? Is 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 LeBron better? It doesn't matter. They're both great. We don't have to determine who's better than the other one. Personally, I think Michael's the better player, but LeBron's going to have a better career. Outside of the six championships, the accolades that LeBron has put up are beating Michael's. But player-wise, I think, I think Michael was better. I don't know. It's debatable. Um, but LeBron's the all-time leading scorer. He's played for 21 seasons. He's played over 60,000 minutes in the NBA. Like he's, he's doing things that nobody should be doing at his age and 21 years in. He's never really had a major injury. The guy's never in trouble off the court. You know, I mean, the, the amount of, we've gone over this numerous times, but the amount of things that he has done, that's why I said, I think his resume probably beats Michael's outside of Michael has six championships and LeBron has four. Michael, six for six in his championships. That's great. That'll never be topped, I don't think. And LeBron, yes, is four and six in the finals. But have you seen some of the horseshit teams that guy went to the finals with? They literally put on his back. He went to the finals ten times. Eight years in a row he went to the finals. Like, it's just, it's it's crazy what he's done. But to see that he's going into year 21 next year with 60,000 minutes under his belt. Nobody's played more minutes. He's the all-time leading scorer. 
and knowing that Vince Carter is the all-time is averaged the most points of anybody who played 21 years in the NBA and in his 21st year, he averaged 7.4 points a game. I'm guessing LeBron's going to average more than 7.5 points a game next year. He's probably going to do another 22, 8, and 7, maybe even more, maybe 24, 8, and 7, whatever the case may be. But as I point out every time, love him or hate him, you got to admit, what he's doing is unheard of. I, I just, 21 years in the league and still doing what he's doing, averaging over 20 points and eight rebounds and seven assists, like every game consistently. He's had some injuries in recent years, yes, but he's never had a missed a whole season injury. Never blew out his knee, never blew out his Achilles, and I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But we'll see what happens this year. I mean, he might blow a tire this year and be out. You just never know. Because Father Time is going to catch up with him at some point. You would have thought it would have happened by now with as many minutes as he's put on his legs, but it hasn't. But it can happen at any time. And that's what, as Laker fans, I'd say they're one of the four best teams in the NBA going into next year, considering what they did this offseason. But all that is predicated on LeBron being healthy come playoff time. I don't think it matters how many games he plays in the regular season. Regular season doesn't matter in the NBA anymore. We know this. All you had to do is look at this past year's playoffs with an eight seed and a seven seed getting uh, to an eight seed getting to the NBA finals and a seven seed getting to the Western Conference finals. So I just thought that was interesting uh, that the <laughs> Vince Carter has averaged the most points in his year 21 in the league and he averaged seven and a half and LeBron's probably going to beat that by probably two and a half times this year. All he's got to do is basically average 20. So pretty crazy. Uh, statistic for LeBron. And I want to throw out this one baseball statistic before I move on and uh, and get to talking about uh, foot and get to talking about football. This is so random, but again, I just saw it. Don Mattingly, who was God, I don't even know if Mattingly's in the Hall of Fame. I don't think he is. He didn't play long enough. But if he is, sorry, Don. I apologize, but there was a statistic. Uh, Don Mattingly played from 1982 to 1995, and it talked about how many grand slams he hit per year. 1982, 83, 84, 85, 86, he hit zero. In 1987, Don Mattingly hit six grand slams that year, and then... 1988, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, zero. <laughs> he never hit a grand slam outside of 1987 where he hit six. Explain that phenomenon. It's kind of like the whole Eli Manning thing, that Eli Manning never won a playoff game outside of the two years he went 4-0 in the playoffs and won two Super Bowls beating Tom Brady both times. It is just one of the more random statistics you'll ever find. The guy never won a playoff game outside of the two years he won the Super Bowl. And both of those years, they were a wild card team and were on the road. Uh, one year they were on the road for all three games and then obviously the Super Bowl. And then the second year they had one home game. They were in the wild card round and they hosted a game and then went on the road and won two games and then won on the road in the Super Bowl. So literally 8-0 and in the two years and then... I believe he was 0-4 or 0-5 outside of that. So he has a winning playoff record, but yet he never won a playoff game 
outside of the two years they won a Super Bowl. Kind of like Don Mattingly, hitting six grand slams in 1987 and never hitting one again in any other year in his career. All right, let's talk NFL and wrap it up with this. So Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs did not sign a contract extension, which means they cannot sign a long-term deal with either of their teams until after this season is over. So now it becomes almost a game of chicken because neither of them are going to report to training camp. There's no need for them to because what if they report to training camp and blow out their knee? Then they're definitely not getting a contract. So could they sign a tender $10.1 million deal where you're basically getting an average of the top five running backs in the league? Yes, but they don't want to play under that. So what do you do? Do you sit out the whole season? Do you play a game of chicken? Do those teams want them to sit out a whole game, a whole season? Josh Jacobs led the NFL in rushing last year and also led the NFL in yards from the line of scrimmage. He's arguably the best running back in the league, or most valuable at least. Saquon Barkley, 1,300 yards on the ground, also caught like 57 passes. Best player on the New York Giants offense for sure. But what do you do if you're the Giants? And what do you do if you're the Raiders? Do you just sit there and be like, okay, don't show up to camp. We don't care. We're going to go with scrub number one and scrub number two, thinking they are going to do what you can do. And it's just, it's, it's, you're putting the team in a difficult position by doing this. But the thing is, and we talked about this yesterday in regards to running backs, they're just being phased out of the league. It's a passing league now. You don't, you don't hand the ball off. You basically, you're basically only running now to set up your passing game because every quarterback in the NFL throws for 4,000 yards in their sleep. And this isn't 1985 football anymore. Running backs are devalued. Derrick Henry came out yesterday after seeing that Jacobs and Saquon weren't given long-term deals, and he basically said, why don't you just get rid of the running back position overall? They don't value us anymore. He's right. But what are you going to do? This is the game now. With seven-on-seven leagues and high school and, and college and the, you know, the Elite 11 and all that stuff, it's all centered around quarterbacks and quarterbacks that throw the ball, not quarterbacks that hand off the ball. So I don't fault these guys for sitting out and wanting to get all the money that they can because the second the team doesn't need them, they are cutting their ass or asking them, hey, will you take a pay cut because we paid you so much early on and you know, to fit under the cap, we need to get some other guys in, we need to get some other guys paid. Will you readjust your contract? So I see why these running backs want the money that they do, especially the guaranteed money because that's the only thing – that you're guaranteed in the NFL. You could sign a four-year, $100 million contract in the NFL. The only money you're getting for sure is what guaranteed money you're signing for. So I understand they want more money and they want as much secured money as possible, but I also understand why is an NFL team going to commit so many dollars to a position that is basically being phased out of the league? You know, I mean... Ezekiel Elliott did it right when he was with the Cowboys. He basically went to Cabo and said, yeah, I'll be down here working out on my own. When you decide you want to pay me, I'll then I'll come back to the team. Set out the first two games of the season, got his money, and within two years, he was expendable. He's not even on a team right now. We talked about this the other day. He's not on a team. Garrett Blunt's not on a team. Um, uh, uh, Dalvin Cook's not on a team. They're going to sign with somebody but it's going to be like an incentive-laden contract where they have to hit benchmarks to get the money that they want. So 
if you're if you're Saquon or you're Josh Jacobs right now, what do you do? Do you really risk sitting out the whole season and thinking, no, I think the team is going to come to me when they realize I'm needed? What if the team gets off to a great start without you and whoever they fill in is serviceable? Then they're not going to pay, and then you're sitting out the whole season. Or are you hoping for your team to suck for the first few games and the team comes running back to you and says, okay, we'll give you your money. I mean, it's just it's a game of chicken right now at this point. And I don't know what's going to happen. I could see both of these guys sitting out the whole season, kind of like what Le'Veon Bell did with the Steelers a while back. They know their worth. They want to get their money, and I understand it to a certain extent. But at some point, you have to understand now, Derrick Henry seems to understand it, the running backs are just not valued anymore. Nor should they be, because they're just not focused. They're not featured in many offenses at all. And if you have a great running back, it's almost a bonus. There's maybe, you can count on maybe one hand, how many true number one running backs there are in this league. Barkley, Jacobs, Derrick Henry. Uh, <laughs> after that, I, I can't even I can't even think of one. It's all about receivers and quarterbacks. So um, you just need a guy in there that is serviceable, that can average three to three and a half to four and a half yards a carry and get you 10 to 15 carries a game. The days of handing the ball off to a running back 25, 30 times a game are over. It's never happening anymore. So I don't know what these guys are going to do, but it's going to be a very interesting um, training camp for both of those teams of will they or won't they end up paying them. And finally, talking about uh, wide receivers, DeAndre Hopkins goes back to the AFC Central and signs with the Titans. Remember, he was with Houston for the first, I don't know, six, seven years of his career. Then went to Arizona the last three or four. Still a very, very good wide receiver. It is questionable why he went to the Titans. I don't know. Brian Tannehill might lose his job this year. Of all the teams to go to, I guess I was surprised he chose the Titans, but that's his choice, not mine. I don't know if it's going to work out in Tennessee because Tennessee did draft the Kentucky the kid out of Kentucky, Will Levis, in the draft. People are saying that Will Levis should already start over Ryan Tannehill. That's not going to happen. Tannehill is going to be the starter, but this is the make-or-break year for Ryan Tannehill. He has to either produce – or he's going to be out of a job probably before the end of the season. They probably will go to Levis if they start off slow. But I just, with Derrick Henry there, like I said, Derrick Henry is one of the number one running backs in the league. I don't really, I've never looked at Tennessee as some pass-happy offense. Maybe they're changing it up now that they got DeAndre. I don't know. But I wouldn't put too much stock into DeAndre Hopkins. If you're looking at fantasy football ramifications, He's definitely not a wide receiver number one, that's for sure. You get him in the you know third or fourth round maybe, depending on what kind of draft you do, if you do an auction draft or if you do a snake draft, whatever the case may be. But good receiver, but he's definitely not a number one, like going to put up fourteen or 1,500 yards a season anymore. Those days are over. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please follow an Apple podcast. Also rate and review if you can. I really appreciate you doing that. Pass us along to all your friends. Let them know about the Sports Daily. And we'll be back tomorrow with yet another Sports Daily podcast. Thank you all for listening. And remember, 
sports will always be the greatest reality show on television.